Hey guys, welcome back to the Swish Podcast. I'm Jake. I'm also Jake, and today we have such an honor to invite Richard Jefferson to the podcast. He's a former NBA champion, and we can't wait to get started. So, Richard, what's up? Uh, I'm doing great, guys. I'm just hanging out in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, spending some time with my family during this quarantine and trying to stay safe. Um, yeah, so thank you again, Richard, for joining us. It's just an honor to have you on our podcast. You're, you're a great NBA player, a great career, and we hope that you and your family are staying safe, and let's start. So, all right, all right. Our first question, speaking of Phoenix, what made you get into basketball, and did you like play any other sports while growing up there? What made me get into basketball? Honestly, I'm the youngest. I have two older brothers, and they kind of played basketball just in a very casual way where they would go to the park with their buddies. When they were like 15 or 16. But for me, uh, because I was younger and I would tag along, I started playing at like 10 or 11. There wasn't really that much other to do. Uh, so I would just go start going to the park every day with my friends. And I started, most of my friends that became my friends were guys that were also at the basketball, uh, that were at the basketball park also. So the next thing you know, you're hanging out with guys that like to do the exact same thing with you. And that was play basketball every day. Uh, as far as other sports, yeah, I I did not come from a very good financial situation. So, like, you know, playing Little League and playing soccer and playing a lot of these other sports cost money. Uh, so I would do stuff in school. Uh, I used to run track and field. Uh, but I'm a big, I am a big proponent of kids playing every single sport. Like, my kids are playing uh, my kids are playing baseball, my kids are playing basketball, my kids are playing soccer. Uh, I think kids should play every sport and then narrow it down as they get older. But specializing at such an early age, it can, it can, cause, burn, it can cause people to get burned out. So speaking of when you were younger, was there an NBA, were there any NBA players you kind of looked up to that you had like similar inspirations as them? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I did. Uh, you know, obviously when you're at that age, when I was 14, 15, like you're just fans of the game. Uh, and then as you get older, you start to like players that you feel like you can do similar things as. So I love Magic Johnson, but I couldn't pass or dribble like Magic Johnson. Uh, I love, uh, I love Michael Jordan, but obviously Michael Jordan, is just, but you know, guys like Scottie Pippen and Penny Hardaway, uh, the first basketball player that was my favorite basketball player was Dick was David Robinson. And so, um, yeah, those guys I always looked up to and, you know, just like so many people that were kind of the same age as me, but, um, you know, watching players and just enjoying and getting to know some of these guys when I was able to make it to the NBA makes you a fan even more over. So in high school, you were named the, you're named to the McDonald's All-American game, which is like where some of the top, top, top of the top high school players go to, like Zion Williamson was in, I'm pretty sure. And so it wasn't like just playing in that game and being awarded one of the top high school players in the U.S. What was that game? You know, that was probably, that was one of the great honors of my entire basketball career because no one, I didn't really play organized basketball. You know, I'm at the age where, you know, AAU was big, but if you missed a summer of AAU because you had to do summer school, people didn't hear of you. So going into, uh, the summer between my junior and senior year, which is a big, which is a big summer, I wasn't even ranked. So to not be ranked at all, no one knew I wasn't in the top 200. No one knew my name. And so to start that summer off and work and work and work so hard and go and play in these tournaments 
and dominate tournaments. Uh, my Arizona Stars team, which was my AAU team, we were the first team from Arizona to ever win a national tournament. So we won the Nike Grand Finale in Vegas that had 64 So for me, as much as I look at the McDonald's All-American game as one of the great awards uh, and honors to play in that game, because it really is all of the great, you go back to Michael Jordan and these guys played in this game. The biggest thing that I learned from that is it was the work that I did in months and, and years prior to that where no one knew who I was. That work is what helped me get to that to that game. So we know you were you grew up in like the Phoenix area, and then you chose to go to Arizona. So did, what kind of made you stay home and to make that choice for college? Oh, good question. So uh, I was so fortunate where I, living on the West Coast, there was UCLA, there was Arizona, uh, there was Utah, had a very key fan of Horn and Britain, and and Andre Miller were, had gone come from Utah. For me, the reason why I stayed home is Arizona won the national championship in 1997. This was years before you guys were born. And uh, they won in 1997. And I was going to be, uh, I would have been a freshman in 1998. So to have a team 90 minutes away from me uh, be able to win a national championship and be one of the most prestigious schools in the country, be that close to me, it just made it just made all the sense in the world. Plus, Michael Bibby, uh, who was a star on that team and ended up playing for the Sacramento Kings for many years, he uh, he was there. So that pushed me. He tried to convince me to come there because he was there, and ultimately he left to go to the NBA. But because it was so close to home, and they had just won the national title, uh, that that made me want to go there. So speaking of Arizona, you made it to the Final Four in one of your seasons playing there with with future NBA star Gilbert Arenas, who was just a great player, just like you. And you played and you played a national championship game. So what was that what was that whole experience like playing at Arizona? Oh, it was amazing. I wish Gilbert Arenas could have made a couple of shots during the national championship game. Uh, but uh, no, Gilbert and all those guys. I'll tell you what: when you play in that ex- environment. The people that you go and you do these things with, they become friends. They become family. So Luke Walton, who is now the head coach of the Sacramento Sacramento Kings and former head coach of the Lakers, he was on that team. Uh, he was actually my roommate in college. Uh, so, uh, no, it was great, man. We were so, so close. And like I said, part of the reason why uh, I went to Arizona is because I watched them win a national championship. And my goal was to win a national championship. Wow. Getting close uh, isn't there, you know, I don't believe in participation trophies, but I do believe that we did accomplish a lot in getting as far as we did. So, in 2001, you were drafted in the first round by the Rockets, later that night, you were traded to the Nets. So, what was it like being drafted into the NBA? Oh, man, you know, it, it is every dream that you can imagine rolled up into to one. Like I said, to, to not have anybody know my name three years prior and then to be able to leave college early and hear, you know, Adam uh, David Stern at the time call my name and say my name. Uh, that was, it was, it was special. It was exciting. And uh, to this day, it's still one of the great uh, memories that I've ever, I've ever had. So after rookie season, you were named to the all rookie second team. So what was it like being being on the list of like the top ten rookies of your class in tw- in two thousand one after that season? Uh, it was great, but I think that was more of a testament to how good our team was. I, I was so fortunate to play with Jason Kidd, and 
Uh, he was an amazing, amazing player, and he made everyone around him better. And growing up in the Phoenix area, that's when um, I got to know him and, and a little bit and met him there. And so when he got traded to New Jersey and I was got drafted by Jersey, uh, there's a familiarity there. So I was just so, so excited to play with him. And, you know, that team and him particular being an MVP candidate that year is the reason why I made all rookie team and really helped me in my career. So with the Nets, you made it to back-to-back NBA finals in 2002 and 2003. So what was it so special playing on those championship-type teams? I, you know what it made it special is that the Nets had never had any type of success prior to that. They had never won a playoff round. They had never they had never had any type of deep playoff run. And I remember my very first year when I got there, everyone was like, well, the Nets have never, never done this. The Nets had never done that before. And I was just like, I was never on the Nets, these groups of guys. But it just it told me that people will teach you all of your net history. Right? They're like, hey, well, the Nets have never won. What, what makes you think you guys can do it? Or no one, the Nets have never been to a conference finals or have never went back to back. What, what makes you different? And it was just people will feed you negative storylines before they feed you successful ones. And so uh, that, that, that just taught me that, hey, you control your own destiny. It doesn't matter the name on the front of the jersey or organization or school or team that never had success before. It's all about what you're planning on bringing. And everyone in that group decided to bring something special. So in 2004, you were named, you were, you were a member of the U.S. Olympic basketball team, and you also won a bronze medal. So what was that whole experience like during that summer? Oh, it was amazing. I, I tell you this, like, we had the youngest team ever put together. Um, and what it ultimately did is it helped. It helped the USA basketball. We didn't. We weren't as successful as we would like. We had a very young team, and even though LeBron James and Carmelo and D Wade were all on that team, we were all very, very young. I think they were like nineteen or twenty. Uh, I was twenty-three or just turned twenty-four before the Olympics. And so what it did is even because we weren't as successful as we wanted as we wanted to be, it helped them switch up how they did um, the USA basketball. So now they have a USA basketball select where they invite younger players. Uh, they invite younger players to kind of work and train with the team under the same system. Uh, and so for me, uh, being a part of the experience and also being a, a part of the growth of USA basketball because our mistake uh, and their mistake of putting that type of team together uh, led to, I, I think, more successful years. But the opening ceremonies of the Olympics, prior to winning a championship, the opening ceremony of the Olympics was the coolest thing I've ever done. So um, later in your career, you played three seasons with the Spurs. So what was it kind of like playing under the one of the most legendary NBA coaches ever, Coach Pop? Oh, Pop is a crazy man. He's a crazy man. He is the things that he would say, how funny he is. But you know, one thing that I learned from him is that he is really, really cares about people. He cares about you as a person. Um, and he wants you to be a great person first because ultimately that'll help you to be a great basketball player. And um, yes, he's a, he's a funny character and he's this and that, but super, super intelligent mind and, and, and a really caring and thoughtful individual. So finally, in 2016, you won an NBA championship with players like LeBron James, I think Channing Frye, and a bunch of players on that 2016 cast team, Kyrie Irving. So how amazing was that first that experience like for winning an NBA title? Oh, man, it was everything. And the reason why it was everything is, like, you guys have seen my story, you've seen my bio, where it's 
I was so close. We we lost in the national championship game, then lost in two straight NBA finals, then only won the bronze medal instead of the gold medal. Uh, so I was so, so close at so many times in my career. And so to get all the way there again and to be one game away from not being able to win, to win it, honestly, because all I've ever wanted to do in my career is win and contribute to winning teams. So to be able to win a championship, especially at the end of my career, it was it made every broken bone, every sprain, every surgery, it made everything all worth it. So in 20, 2018, you retired after 17 seasons in the NBA. So what was it like looking back knowing you were a very successful player? Well, I think looking back on it, I learned a lot of valuable lessons. Um, I learned a lot of valuable lessons. And now that I'm doing some television stuff and some broadcasting stuff, which I really dig your guys' podcast, I think this is so awesome for you guys to get started early. You know, because what you guys might not understand and what you guys are doing is that maybe you guys don't want to do a podcast, but you know what these conversation skills that you guys are developing, it will help you guys do interviews. It will help you guys. It'll help you guys in different jobs. There's so many positive things from being a very good conversationalist and a very good researcher. So like you guys had to go and do all the research to make sure that you, when you interview somebody, you have all of the information on them. That's teaching you that whatever job you go do, that same type of work ethic, whether it's research, uh, whether it's conversation, that same type of skill can help you in so many jobs. So now that I'm retired, I just look at at commentating basketball games and doing basketball work as another job, as another opportunity to try and be one of the best that I can be. So after 2016 and 2017, you started a podcast with one of your good friends, Channing Fry, who's also a former NBA champion. So that's exactly what me and Jake are like having trying to do with our Switch podcast. So how did the road trip and podcasts come about in 2017? Well, what it was is that we used to go to dinners for hours. It was LeBron and Kevin Love and Kyrie and, and Channing Fry and J.R. Smith. We would go and sit at dinners for hours and we would, you know, watch, we would go and watch the NCAA championship game or we would go, you know, we would go to a restaurant into a private room and watch, um, and watch, you know, playoff games. And we would sit there for hours just telling stories asking asking each other questions about okay who's the who's the give me your list of the top five small forwards or who's got the best crossover or who was the best player that didn't make it from your area so we would tell we would tell all of these stories and i was like man people would i think people would love to hear them and so me and channing fry channing fry was actually supposed to be the first guest and i was like channing come be the first guest come be the first guest because he was my friend so he has to do anything that i say uh, <laughs> and so he he did it, and then he enjoyed it. So then the second time we did it, Kyrie Irving, we were doing it in our trainer's room, and Kyrie Irving knocked on the trainer's door. He was coming to get town. I was like, what are you guys doing? I was like, oh, we're going to do a podcast, and we'll just sit and talk. You want to sit in? And he's like, yeah, I'll sit in for a little bit. Literally an hour and a half later, he's laughing with us, telling stories, we're cracking jokes. It was just a really, really special time, uh, and that's what it was. And I, we were like, okay, well, I guess players are going to want to do it. And the next thing you know, everybody was – Everybody, every, we had every one of our teammates, and we had it on multiple years, and we started the first in-season podcast, which is kind of special. So we know you now kind of cover the NBA. So what do you what do you think about the NBA's bubble proposal? Like, obviously, the season coming back. So what do you think about it? I think it's great, and I, I think for, for 
you know, our country has been through so much and still has a long, long way to go. Uh, but I, I think these players are making a tremendous sacrifice, taking this amount of time from their families. And I, do I worry about the safety in the bubble? I don't, because I believe that it is not as safe as any place in America can possibly be, uh, and to still be around a group of people, right? I think, if, yeah, if you're at home, that's the safest place. But to have, you know, you know, 500, 600, you know, people in a bubble, 700 people in a bubble um, that are all together, I think that is um, that's something that is, um, is very, very difficult. So I think the NBA and, and, and their partners did a great job of making sure everyone is safe, and these players are doing a really good job of helping to uh, raise awareness and attention for, for a lot of the causes. So now we're going to... We're going to ask you some rapid-fire questions, just like some different questions for the viewers, sort of to to know you and all about you. And Jake's just going to ask you the first question. Okay. So, what do you like doing better? Do you like broadcasting NBA games or doing your podcast? It's a tough one. Ooh, that's a tough one. I'll say, say, ooh, that's a tough one. They're different. They're very, very different. Um, Which one do I enjoy the most? Probably my podcast. Which one do I enjoy to work with? Probably calling basketball games because I don't have to work. I just have to show up, and then the games really dictate themselves. And so I have to do, and then I just call what I see. But my podcast, I, just, I really, really enjoy. But there's a lot more work on my end that comes from doing my podcast, as you guys know. Making sure you're booking guests. Having idiots like me be late or mess up <laughs> the wrong day. These are things that, like, these are things that when you're trying to do a podcast, you just, you just, you just have to do it. But when I, I call a basketball game, I just have to show up and do my homework and prep and be ready to call a game, and you know everything, um, everything else kind of is taken care of. So our next question is: If you were not a basketball player, or like broadcaster, what would you be right now in your career? Oh, that's such a good question, and it's like I truly don't know. You know, I don't know what it is. I, I like to believe. I'd like to tell myself I'd like I, I would be successful, right? I don't know. What, I didn't know in what, and and I think you know for so many years, like when people would ask me that question, I would feel like saying like, "Oh, you're going to be successful," but you don't know at what. Well, I think everybody. I think you know Bill Gates when he was you know 20 years old, he believed he would be successful. Uh, I think so many people that were successful later in life, they don't know why. They just have a belief in themselves. They have a belief in their passion. They have a belief in their work ethic. Uh, they have a belief in, in, in their grind. And so I don't know what I was going to be, but I do know that I would. I truly believe that whatever I did, I was going to do to the best of my ability. So uh, would I have been, you know, as famous or would I have gone into another field like that where people know my name? Probably, probably not. But I believe that I would have been found a way to try and be successful. So we know you played in the NBA for a while, but what do you think the fa- your favorite stadium in NBA City you played in was? Oh, that's a good one, man. That's a really, really good question. Uh, my favorite stadium, man. I really did like playing at Oracle Arena. Oracle Arena, I played at, I played there in the playoffs when I was there for them, and then I played against them in the finals twice. I really think Oracle, because it's not around anymore, and it was one of the last true, like, smaller arenas, I think that place was really, really special. Uh, Madison Square Garden is a very, very special place also. The energy there, the only thing that's different is the energy there. Uh, is not 
what you would like it to be where in, in Oracle for the last like seven, eight years, it's been, it's been really, really intense there every time you show up. Yeah. I think also based on that is that my Knicks are pretty terrible right now. We're not in a good spot. So, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, staying, I'm staying out of that. You should switch <laughs> to the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. <laughs> but or the Warriors have had a great franchise for the past 10 years or so with Curry, Clay, and all those guys. So, Playing for them was probably was probably really fun too, and against them, because you beat them in the yeah. finals once and you also lost. But our next question yeah, is: also, yeah. So, what are you yeah. most looking forward to, like just doing once quarantine ends, like once everything's back to normal, the NBA, everything's all back and normal. Uh, what am I looking forward to? Man, you know, I'm I, like I'm a bit of an introvert, which means that uh, I, I'm an extremist. Where it's like, if everyone's being super social, I can be super social. If everyone's kind of just you know hunkering down or being inside like i enjoy that i'm not a person that gets too stir crazy uh so what am i looking forward to doing um, i wouldn't say that i miss new york i'll say this i do miss new york i miss going to new york i miss going to dinner in new york um you know um that's what that's what i miss so i, I if anything i would say traveling to new york and walking around the streets of new york um that's that's what I, I just miss that energy. But other than that, man, I, we're, I'm fortunate. I live in Los Angeles, so we get to go to the beach. And, uh, I spend a lot of time with my family, so it's not it's not bad at all. So we know in your career you played for a lot of NBA teams, including the Nets, Bucks, Spurs, Warriors, Jazz, Mavericks, Cavs, and the Nuggets. So, like, what did you learn from playing for so many different coaches and playing with so many different teammates? You know that that that. That what you just said is, is is a really good question because for for a player like myself that's now if I decide to go coach or if I decide to broadcast I have so much knowledge to pull from playing in this city or playing in this arena or understanding this fan base or understanding what each player's role is because I've experienced it all. I've gone from I've gone from six man and a young player to a starter for ten years to a fringe all-star and a, and a leading scorer in this league, to being another six-man, to being to to not coming off the bench and, and not playing every single night. So I've experienced every single possible role that you can experience in the game of basketball. So when I sit down to talk about it, whether it's with you guys or on ESPN, when I'm speaking about a situation, it's typically from experience, and that's something that I think I'm very, very fortunate in. So one of our last questions of this amazing interview is, what's your favorite moment in your whole career? This back college, high school, MBA, or just right now? Uh, if you had to pick, I understand. When, when, when picking one, I'll tell you what. I'll do you guys better. I'll do you one better. My 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 favorite my favorite experience was obviously winning a championship, but that was a no brainer. But I would say, truth be told, I would say through opening ceremonies was such a good moment, was such a cool moment. That's probably my coolest moment that wasn't uh, as a on-the-court moment. It was just an experience through sports. So for me, uh, that was probably that was probably the, the best experience for me, uh, but the best moment definitely when we won the championship. So our final question for you today is like, in the beginning of your NBA career, you know, we know you played with the Nets, and you said guys like Jason Kidd and stuff gave you advice. Uh, and, like, did you carry that advice down to other players, like, as you became a veteran in the league? 
Oh yeah, that was that's like your role. That's your role. Like that's how you contribute to the game, and you know that that's how you're so successful. Uh, I remember Draymond Green. Draymond Green. Uh, I had Draymond Green as a rookie. I had Kawhi Leonard as a rookie. I had Harris as a rookie. I had Clay Thompson as a rookie. Uh, I had so many guys that were that were young players and rookies. Uh, George Hill, uh, and so. You the having better like like Jason Kidd and um, Lucius Harris, uh, Keith Van Horn, these guys. What they did for me, part of the reason why I was so I was able to play as long as I did is because once you get older, you have to. You're not just a player. You have to take on a mentorship role, and I really embraced that. I embraced that. And now, so that doesn't mean I was right all the time. It doesn't mean that I got you know that I was a perfect mentor. But ultimately, I tried to give these guys the best possible advice and try to hold them accountable um, and to watch all of these guys go on and continue to be successful is, is something that's really really cool so that's that's a wrap of our podcast thanks so much again Richard for joining us this means so much to us and our growth of our podcast and just everything moving forward with this to our listeners please make sure to donate to our GoFundMe charity to help COVID-19 relief or so long as in our bottom Instagram at the swish at the swish Don score and please comment, follow, drop the like on our podcast on Spotify, Apple, and SoundCloud. Thanks a lot, Richard. Have a great day. Stay safe and just yeah, thank you. You guys were awesome. This is so cool. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. You guys did a very good job. Did a great job researching. You guys did a great job going back and forth. So uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. Can I give you guys a couple of podcast tips? Yeah, for sure. You guys should t- you guys should talk more. I know it's tough because you guys are doing it via Zoom, right? So you guys are both in your spot. But one, if you guys can ever be in the same place, right? That's always key. And then two, um, make it more of a conversation. Like the best podcast, like the ones that we've done the best with, is as much as it is a great interview, and you should have a large portion to introduce the person. Uh, to your audience because that's what you're doing. You're introducing this guest, even people that someone might know. You can get The Rock, or you can get some. You can get someone super, super famous, Kevin Hart, on your podcast. So people might know him, but you still want to introduce them. You still want to introduce them to your guests, but make it a conversation. It, it, it doesn't have to be you ask a question and you ask a question. You guys seem like really, really intelligent, bright kids. So make it conversation. Make it conversationalist, which means like you're just kind of you're just kind of hanging out at the dinner table. Yeah, thanks so much for your advice and for the whole interview. It's been great. You guys are awesome, man. Good luck, and hopefully you guys will have me back on during the NBA season and we can talk some NBA hoop, okay? Okay. Awesome. That'd be awesome. All right, all right. All thanks right. so much Go for on. listening, and thank you so much. Peace.